Father, you desire to produce miracles in our, in our lives each and every day. Father, the miracle of healing, the miracle of a sound mind, the miracle of deliverance. Father, the miracle of speaking to us supernaturally. Father, all of these are supernatural interventions in our natural course of, of this life. So, Father, we thank you for that. And Father, we choose to believe that healing is a normal and active part of your ministry to us on the earth. We thank you for these things, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Welcome to Healing School, right? Last uh, uh, Healing School service of the year. And we'll start up next year. Amen. And, um, of course, we started in 2015, January of 2015, uh, the first Sunday of the month there. And um, I've been going ever since then. Amen. And so that's... Uh, We'll have completed our eighth year um, of um, um, healing school. We'll start our ninth year next year. And so all is well, amen. Uh, and so uh, we're continuing in Dr. McCrossin's book called Bodily Healing and the Atonement. Of course, his, the purpose of him writing that book nearly 100 years ago was to, uh, at, you know, at the, at the turn of the 19th century, or the 20th century, when the uh, 1900s, there was a lot of intellectualism that was trying to get, in, trying to get into the church. And, and a lot of it, the purpose of it was to do away with faith and to do away with the supernatural and just have the church become a social organization and just leave it at that. And if you look at um, uh, many of the ministries even that were then, back then, and what they are now, they're very natural, right? And, you know, we can take a look, at, for example, at the Salvation Army. And we're not trying to disparage anybody, but the Salvation Army... It was called the Salvation Army because their goal was to get people saved, right? And, and, um, they, and by preaching, by the laying on of hands, by getting people filled with the Holy Spirit, they were preachers, right? Preachers of the gospel. And it was called the Salvation Army. And the members of that organization then were, uh, they had rank, right? And so uh, uh, William Booth was the, the was a dude, was a dude, I'm so sorry, no disrespect intended, was a fellow. Uh, that was at the head of the organization. He was called a general, so he was General Booth. Uh, and, um, and if you look at it now, you know, the Salvation Army is, uh, has red buckets at Walmart and rings a bell. Uh, and so, and, you know, I don't care. That's not my organization, none of my business uh, in a sense. But, you know, uh, there's always a drive. Any organization that's been around long enough will be tempted to uh, be turned into an organization that doesn't look anything like its original intended purposes. You know, look at the YMCA, the, the Young Men's Christian uh, Association. The purpose of it was to get young men who were struggling, um, uh, and especially, you know, black young men, but, but any young man who was struggling with society and having the temptation to go down the wrong road, uh, they would gather these men together and they would uh, do athletics and sports, you know, and different things um, uh, with the element of Christianity along with it, right? They would encourage them and read Bible passages and, and such things. And now, they've redefined the idea of a family. It's, you know, whatever, you know, as long as two people love each other, you know, it's a family, right? Well, that's not God's definition of a family. It's a man and a woman with children, right? Uh, and, um, uh, and now it's just called the YMCA. They changed the name of it officially to be YMCA so they can take the word Christian out of this thing. Uh, because now they, like, you know, they let anybody in, no matter what. And, um, and uh, in fact, uh, we had a YMCA when our kids were small, and we just kind of quit uh, going to it because they would have soccer leagues. But uh, uh, for the goal of being equitable, they didn't want to keep score, even though every parent kept score of every game, right? It didn't matter if they were two years old. Yeah, my son won. You know, he's two, you know. Mostly, in fact, I was Jared's first coach. And the goal when, uh, at that age, when they're like three years old, is to keep them on the field. It wasn't to play, you know. Now, we had some coaches. They'd have a clipboard out there, and they were showing strategies and X's and O's, you know, and the kids were like, can I eat the candy, you know? Can I get a dandelion? They were just mostly just wanting to be run around on the grass. Uh, and so, uh, but they wouldn't keep score because they thought, it would, you know, it would hurt, it would hurt the kids' feelings but to keep score. And, and, I'm, and so everybody got a trophy, right? Hey, you get a trophy. You get a trophy. And there were no winners and losers, even though everybody knew who the winners and losers were. Uh, and so, but I, I think that teaches them poor, um, uh, poor concepts of dealing with the world. In the world, there's always winners and losers. And, and, you know, as a Christian, 
if you strive and act as a Christian in the world, you will be a winner. You will succeed and be advanced and be promoted and, and uh, get raises. Uh, and if you're lazy and do nothing, uh, you will be fired and you will be on a, in a soup kitchen somewhere. Uh, and I think it's good to teach kids to strive and to press forward and, and to have friendly competition and, and because uh, iron sharpeneth iron, you know, and, 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 you know, if you're playing better than I am, I can watch you and learn. But if at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you play better than me, I get the same reward. I mean, it, it, does, it doesn't make any sense, right? But um, anyway, so none of my business is not my organization. They can do whatever they want to. But how it started and how it is today, yeah. uh, every organization, every ministry, every church, every Christian organization will have the temptation to remove the Spirit of God out of, out of that organization and, 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 and uh, devolve it into a social gathering only. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the, the general goals of them aren't, aren't evil, right? They want to help people, send people blankets and send people tents, you know, in times of disaster. And the you know, Salvation Army does a lot of that. But that is a far cry from getting them into heaven. Uh, and and the, the greatest ministry we can have is getting anybody saved. Amen. Uh, our primary, Jesus didn't say go into all the world and give somebody a blanket. He said to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. Uh, in fact, he never says uh, in the, any of his ministry, uh, whether it was in, uh, in uh, Luke chapter 9 or Luke chapter 10 or in the Great Commission or even in Acts 1-8, he never uh, spends any time talking about their natural needs. Now, he's not opposed to that. You know, in his ministry, we see by example that he did that, where he fed people uh, multiple times. But he never, he never included it as, as part of the Great Commission because I believe my opinion on that is because Although it's okay to do that, that's not the primary intent. Primary intent is to stay focused on the spiritual side of things, getting people born again. Uh, and then if you want to do other things, you know, I know, I know a lot of mission groups, all they do is go and build churches. All they do is go dig wells. All they do is go, and, and those are, I have no problem with doing that, but that's not the primary intent of the church. Amen. Who cares if you can dig somebody a well if they're all going to die and go to hell. Uh, and so, you, know, you preach the gospel to them, get them saved, and then you can dig them a well all day long, amen, and they'll, be, they'll, they'll like it even more. So we're not opposed to helping in the areas of the natural world at all. Um, Jesus did it as an ad, adjunct or as an addition to his primary intent, which is to teach, uh, teach, the, uh, teach the word of God and to minister to, their, to them in a supernatural way, uh, either through the laying on of hands and, and getting them delivered and healed or in a supernatural way by uh, providing for their natural uh, uh, food and sustenance in a supernatural way. Even when he did natural things, it was still supernatural, amen? Uh, and so, uh, you know, and, I, and I've been talking to the Lord about that, and I don't, I don't have an answer for it yet. But, you know, when you get over into the book of Acts, it's the same Holy Spirit. We don't see the same level of, of what I would consider spectacular miracles, like feeding the 5,000, you know, with, when we got in the book of Acts. Uh, and, and I believe that there's something missing from the church that, that we need to go back uh, and press in a little bit further because I think it was always Jesus' intent that we did those things, right? That we had some supernatural, spectacular miracles that we've not seen since, since Jesus' time, not even the book of Acts. But in the book of Acts, they had raised the dead, they healed the sick, right? They were supernaturally delivered. Peter getting out of, out of prison supernaturally, similar to the way Jesus recovered from sometimes when they tried to destroy him. Paul was supernaturally delivered out of prison uh, and, and supernaturally uh, protected on his trip to Rome. So there were some miracles, but, we, but the scale of them, the size of them, we don't see that. And, and I don't think Jesus was intended, well, I'm going to, you know, set the bar so high nobody could ever make it. You know, we're, in fact, we're going to see some things here that I believe would uh, encourage us to press in a little further. And so uh, we finished up the, the reason number three, and we're looking at uh, uh, the six reasons why the church should take Jesus as their healer today. Uh, and, uh, and so he's got, uh, we started this a couple weeks ago, but I wanted to back up and, and look at a, a couple more things here. Uh, this reason is uh, the, that the Holy Spirit in the church. Uh, and, he, and he starts out this, uh, this section uh, telling us that all the power to heal the sick and raise the dead in the ministry of Jesus came from the Holy Spirit. And if you can believe that uh, and understand that, to be true, so that kind of sets the groundwork for uh, the continuing ministry of the Lord Jesus. And this is where uh, a lot of folks think, well, the ministry we have today is completely different from Jesus. 
And yet, if the ministry we have today is still founded upon the power of the Holy Spirit, then what we should be doing as a church today should be a continuation of what Jesus did when he was on the earth. Now, it's because it's the same Holy Spirit that's in the church today, isn't it? Is it a different Holy Spirit? Same exact Holy Spirit, right? Uh, and so let's go back to the book of John chapter 14, and we'll look at some things there. And so uh, um, if we can get this settled in our hearts of what is the plan that Jesus had as the head of the church, what was his plan for the church when he left? Uh, and so let, let's just start here in verse 1 of chapter 14. This is John chapter 14. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Uh, uh, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you in, uh, unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. So where is Jesus going? What's he talking about here? Where is he he fixing to go to? He's going to go to heaven, right? After the cross, he's going to heaven. Um, And he says, uh, uh, where I am there, you may be also. So uh, he's going to prepare a place for us. So he's up in heaven preparing a place, a dwelling place for us to arrive in heaven. And um, uh, wouldn't you want Jesus to be your contractor, right? Building your house in heaven, right? Not these shady fly-by-nights, you know, all the walls aren't squared, the floors aren't, aren't level, and uh, you think Jesus is going to make a pretty nice place for you? I think he's going to do all right, right? Uh, and so, uh, is that what he said? He said he's going to do this, amen? Uh, and so, uh, he says, uh, and whither I go, you know, the way you know. So, how, what's the way to heaven? Jesus is the way, right? Uh, and so, and he says, you know these things. And of course, the disciples, being super intelligent people, Thomas immediately says, Lord, we know not whither you go and how, we, how can we know the way? <laughs> so, uh, uh, now we're in John chapter 14. By, by this time, Jesus is heading to the cross, right? This is like a week out from the cross. So he's already been with them for several years at this point in time. And there's, for the most part, they're still pretty clueless, right? They, they have been with Jesus this whole time. Uh, and, and you know when, they're, when Jesus has gone somewhere, they're around talking around the, the, the uh, dinner table. They're like, anybody understood what he said yesterday? I have no idea. What, what do you say? I don't have any. Uh, did you understand the words? Well, I understood the individual words, but I had no idea what he's talking about. You know what he's talking about? I don't know. Um, and that was kind of the way it was because they weren't born again, right? They didn't have the Spirit of God in them. Uh, and, of course, anytime they would ask Jesus, hey, hey, could you explain it to us slowly? And then they'd be like, okay, that didn't help at all, right? Because <laughs> he would just explain it. I think part of it was he was intended for us to see it and get the revelation from it by the Spirit of God today, which they didn't have the advantage of that. So, you know, they were at kind of a disadvantage. But uh, uh, he said, now this is in John 14. This, this is uh, over in John 11, right, was, was a story with Lazarus. Uh, and um, what did he tell What did he tell? Um, Tell Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Uh, and so he said, I'm the resurrection and life. So I'm the way. He's been telling him these types of things the whole time, but they never really quite understood it. Uh, and so, uh, so Thomas is like, how can we know the way? And of course, Jesus gave the famous line there in verse six, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh to the Father but, my, but by me. Uh, now, you know, Christianity... They, they talk about Christianity being inclusive and all these things. Uh, uh, Christianity is not inclusive at all. Christianity is the only one way, right? There's not many ways to heaven. Uh, and so, people well, there's many ways to heaven. You know, be good, you know, help your fellow man. No, none of that will get you to heaven. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Uh, and so in that, you know, he's not, he, you know, the, some Bible translations, I don't even keep them, you know, but they're the inclusive language, so they get rid of all the he's and her's and him's and all those things, and they use thou, these, and they's, and all those types of pronouns because they want to be dumb like the rest of the world is and not understand that there's, it's okay to have gender in the world, right? Uh, and so, uh, but uh, uh, Christianity is, is very, uh, from some people's perspective, closed-minded. There's only one way. And of course, if you're God, you make the rules, amen? <laughs> and if we were intelligent human beings, we would be okay with God making the rules because he's perfect and just and holy. Uh, and it's okay if he makes the rules because they're going to be good rules. So Jesus said, I'm the way. 
no man comes to the Father but by me. He said, if you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. And then uh, not wanting to be outdone by uh, Thomas's uh, kind of lame question, Philip uh, butts in and says, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. It sounds spiritual, right? Show us the Father, uh, Lord. And of course, Jesus said, have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me have seen the Father. Uh, and, and, you know, they act like this is new information, but Jesus has been telling them these types of things all along, amen? He's been giving a, uh, dropping hints and telling these things, but they never quite got the picture of who Jesus was. Uh, and, and this was, you know, for a long time, I, I always struggled with, with the disciples. You know, they were with Jesus every day, and yet they still treated him, what I would consider, uh, with very little honor. Uh, remember Peter grabbed Jesus, but he said he grabbed him. Uh, when Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross there in, in, Mark, in Matthew 16, uh, and said, not so, Lord, you're not going to the cross. And, of course, Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Uh, and many times they would speak for Jesus. Oh, you quit bothering the master. Well, is Jesus not able to talk? I mean, I think if he was, if he was bothering him, he would have said something. Uh, but they would go and talk for him. And, of course, many times he wouldn't rebuke them. So uh, he, uh, that's just, uh, they never really quite got it. Uh, that he was actually uh, the uh, he was actually God. Now Peter said, "Thou art the Christ, the Messiah, right? The the one promised, the Son of the Living God." But even that, you know, because even in, in the Old Testament they talk about sons of God, and and it's kind of implied they're like angelic beings, but not God, not deity Himself, right? So I don't really know that the that the disciples really understood that Jesus was God himself. They, they thought he was, he was, because from the Jewish perspective, when he talked about the Messiah, you, you were talking about a general, right? A leader of an army who would overthrow the natural shackles of, of whatever imperial country was, was running uh, their nation, right? And that, in this case, it would have been Rome. And so in their mind, the Messiah would come and dethrone Rome from out of Israel and, and take the country back. Uh, and that was their concept and idea of the Messiah. Uh, and when Jesus came as the Messiah, as God, it never, they never really got that. In fact, uh, I, I'm thankful that if it really wasn't for Paul, the apostle, that talked about how God, you know, is God. I think John eventually got it because if you read the first chapter of the Gospel of John, you know, uh, he was the Word and we're with God and the Word was God uh, in the beginning, right? So, so John got it eventually. But at this point in time, they never really got it, right? And, and so we're thankful that we have the, the, the benefit of hindsight to see how these things operate. So, so Philip's saying, show us the Father. And he said, have I been so long with you? Have you not, uh, you have not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And I'll say it then, show us the Father. Believe, not that, uh, believe thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Now, in, in these next verses, what we find is Jesus is really... Uh, uh, He'll say one time that the Father's in him. He'll say one time that the Holy Spirit's in him. He talks about him being in us and the Father being in us. And so really what you see in the Word of God, a lot of times he'll say that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is going to be in you. But, but technically it's the Holy Spirit, but they're all, they're all one, right? And so uh, we see that, inter, that they use it interchangeably because in the sense they are interchangeable because they're all God. But technically speaking, it's specifically the, the Spirit of God that comes in you. But Jesus uses them all interchangeably here. And I think to show that they're all God, right? They're, they're not uh, three separate beings. Uh, they, they have three separate distinctions, but they're, they're still God. Uh, and if you can explain that better, that'd be great because, you know, uh, we won't really fully understand how God can be three but be one at the same time until we are in his presence. And probably even then we'll be like, what? Uh, and so, but that's okay because as he's God, he's big enough to do that. Uh, and so... He said, uh, I am the Father, the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. <clears throat> he said, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. So now he's saying, look, you can e either believe, uh, believe that I'm in the Father and follow me, or just look at the things that I do. Uh, I'm just a natural man like you are. I have no inherent ability to do these things. You've got to know, because they, they didn't think he was God, so they had to know he had... Uh, uh, even even that some of the Jews, uh, when they were talking about Jesus healing people, they said, well, we know that God wouldn't, wouldn't heal anybody through uh, a sinner. It has to be God. 
And so they, they, the Jews understood that the miracles that Jesus did, he couldn't do it in and of himself. He said that. They, they inherently believe that because they, their concept of, of thinking that God himself would be on the earth in the form of a man, it never really entered into their thought life. They never really looked at it from that perspective. They always looked at it from Jesus as anointed of God to do these things uh, like any other prophet would be, right? Because they called him a prophet. Is he a prophet? Well, he, he healed this guy. He's got to be a prophet. So in their mind, it was always an anointed prophet that did these things. Uh, and in that sense, you know, that's fairly accurate because Jesus said he could of himself do nothing, right? Back in John chapter 5, he said that a couple of different times. And so <clears throat> we'll, we'll not have all this decorations here. I could put that uh, closer here for too long, right? <clears throat> he said, uh, <clears throat> believe me for the work's sake, the things that I do, watch the things that I do, and you should believe that what I'm saying is so. And that carries a lot of weight. You know, you go raise uh, 10 people from the dead, I probably will, ha- will have an inclination to listen to what you have to say, right? I would probably be more inclined to believe that you're the real deal if you're raising people from the dead and getting lepers cleansed and healing thousands of people and doing miraculous miracles like walking on water and, I mean, all those things that Jesus did. Just the works alone should have caused their faith to increase. Uh, amen. And I know there are lying signs and wonders, and so that's not the only thing you base your faith on, but it would, still, it would inform your faith for sure that, hey, uh, there's something going on here that we need to be aware of. Uh, he said uh, in, in verse 12 then, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. So he's talking about future tense, right? So this is not uh, so much right now. This is in the future. Uh, when he's gone, and greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. Uh, and so uh, I think, uh, and we had mentioned, well, we didn't mention verse 12, we mentioned verse 16 uh, a couple weeks ago, but uh, uh, John chapter 14, verse 12, is probably one of the most underutilized verses in the whole New Testament, right? The works that I do shall you do also, and greater than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Uh, you know, I'd be pretty satisfied with equaling Jesus, wouldn't you? But even the book of Acts, they never really equaled Jesus. You know, they did some, they did some miracles. They raised people from the dead. Jesus did that. They, they, uh, um, they, they healed a bunch of people. Jesus, Jesus did that, you know. Now, uh, Paul, uh, he sent handkerchiefs uh, from, from his body to heal people. Well, Jesus spoke the word at a distance, like the centurion servant, and got him healed. So, you know, that's not, uh, I mean, that was great that Paul sent prayer cloths. You know, we do prayer cloths. It's not, not quite, it's quite as good as just speaking the word only, right? Um, and so, you know, uh, like we mentioned, Peter was re- uh, released from prison. Paul and Silas were, were released from prison. Jesus was released from the mob uh, more than once. Uh, so they, they did some things that were close to Jesus, but they never walked on water. They never, they never fed the 5,000, never fed the 4,000. You know, so the, some of the miracles that Jesus did, uh, we don't see even in the book of Acts. So, um, I think even from our observation of what they did in the book of Acts doesn't equal to what Jesus prophesied here, right? He said, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater than these. So a lot of people say, well, you know, greater works are, you know, uh, there's two different ways you look at greater works. One is uh, in the, the manifestation itself, right, that, that uh, maybe we feed 10,000. Well, that'd be a greater work because Jesus fed 5,000, right? So we could feed 10,000 and and really outdo Jesus that. Uh, could we do that? Well, he says that the works that I do shall you do and greater than these. Uh, so there is, as far as looking at, and, and who's decide if feeding 10,000 is greater than feeding 5,000 supernaturally? I don't know. Is there, is there a miracle committee somewhere that decides that? Uh, but, uh, but I think you could look at it and go, wow, that's, that's a really good miracle, right? That's, that's similar in scope and size to what Jesus did and maybe even exceeded what Jesus did. I think his desire and intent is that we exceed what he did. Amen. Uh, we shouldn't be let, uh, diminished from what he did. We should be greater than what he did. Uh, if what he said here is so. Uh, the, uh, the other aspect of greater works is greater in quantity. Amen. So how many Christians are on the earth today? I think I've heard estimates of between one and two billion Christians on the earth. Surely, one, between one or two billion people, we could actually do, quantity-wise, more miracles than Jesus did. He was limited, wasn't he? He could only do one miracle at a time, right? He, if he was in Galilee, he wasn't in Capernaum. If he was, you know, uh, uh, somewhere in, at the River Jordan, he wasn't 
he wasn't in Egypt. So he, he was limited in, in, in how many, he only had so many hours in the day, amen? Uh, and you think you, you multiply uh, that by a billion, I think we ought to be able to do quantity-wise just more number of miracles than he did. And of course, John said if, if all the miracles that were written, that Jesus did, were written down, it, the, the world couldn't contain them. Just think if there was a billion people doing miracles every day. Uh, and, and think of 1.7 billion uh, Christians doing miracles every day. I think it's reasonable to, to, uh, to expect and to believe that the Lord wants us to do uh, the uh, greater as far as in both of those ways. Right? Greater in scope and greater in quantity. Uh, and of course, we know that uh, there was nobody saved at this point in time and, and uh, and salvation is really the greatest miracle of all because everything of uh, redemption was dr driving towards salvation, right? Driving towards being born again and, and having the Spirit of God in us. Uh, and that's something that Jesus never did, right? He never got anybody saved until after the cross, right? Uh, there in John chapter 20. Uh, so, but is that a true, is that a true statement that, that uh, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also? Is that a true statement? Well, uh, you have to go back then, how did Jesus complete the works that he did? What power did he utilize to complete the works that he did? Whether it was raising the dead or healing the sick or feeding the 5,000, what power did he utilize to do that? It was the power of the Holy Spirit, right? It's the exact same power. So does the church have, uh, have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had? Uh, we, we do. There, there are some things to look at here, uh, and, and this may explain a little bit, uh, we're in John. We're going to come back to John 14. So hold your place there. It's going to go back to. Uh, um, let's see. Um, well, I got a John chapter uh, four. Is it? Uh, well, may I have to look it up here in a minute. Um, let's see here. Um, Yeah, so in John chapter 3 here, at the end of the chapter, uh, it says that um, uh, this is talking about Jesus. And so it says, For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. And so this, this is a, an important verse to understand about the, the, the Spirit of God uh, was upon Jesus without measure. So he could contain the whole spirit uh, without measure. That implies that an individual in a church would not have the spirit of God without measure, that we would have the spirit of God by measure. If you go to, to Romans chapter 12, for example, it says that God has given to every man the measure of faith, right? A, a portion of faith, not all the faith that there is to be had. Uh, and <clears throat> this gets into a little bit of my opinion here. I believe part of the issue is that Jesus... Uh, in his physical life, when he was born into the earth, the Bible said he was the last Adam, and so he came into the earth born of a virgin without a sin nature. Uh, and so uh, we, however, as, as Christians today, have a sin nature in our flesh. Uh, and I think that that sin nature limits the capacity, the amount of the Spirit of God that we can individually have uh, in our lives. Uh, and, you know, that, that goes along with I've heard some people say, well, God uses me in all the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, and I always find that suspect because we don't know of anybody that's ever, uh, other than Jesus, operated in all the nine gifts and manifestations of the Spirit. Uh, and so when people say that, you know, they're kind of elevating themselves to be equal to Jesus. I don't believe any individual Christian could, could do that. I think as a whole, as a church as a whole, we should be able to do that. Uh, because if we get back over to um, to Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> sort of Ephesians chapter 1 here. We'll look at what Jesus said, or what Paul said in relation to Jesus. So uh, we won't go through all of these things, but um, <clears throat> it says here, uh, talking about Jesus, uh, that the things that he did for us, starting in verse 20, which he wrought in Christ, when he, God the Father, raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body so the church is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all so uh, it takes the entire church to to be equal to the fullness of jesus so that's the whole point of, of this discussion from john chapter 3 
uh, here in Ephesians chapter 1 is uh, there's no individual in the church that's going to equal Jesus. It takes the whole church to equal Jesus. If the whole church was, was like Jesus, then we would be doing greater miracles than Jesus, you know, both in quantity and, and, um, and size there. Uh, I think any Christian individually could do some miracles. There would be greater scope and, and the spectacular level uh, even that Jesus did, but no Christian will ever uh, supersede uh, by themselves all of the works that Jesus did. It takes the whole church to do that, I believe. So, uh, but we still have the right and privilege as a whole church to do that. If we would get on board, I think we would start seeing more of these things uh, being done. So let's go back then to uh, John chapter 14. Uh, he says, uh, uh, the works that I do shall you do, and, and greater than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. Uh, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Uh, and so you remember we read this morning, uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20, right? That the, the, all the problems of God are in him, yes, in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. And so now Jesus is saying here, a very similar thing, he said that if you ask uh, anything uh, in my name, uh, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. But I'm the one asking for it. And Jesus is going to do it so the Father gets glory. Uh, and that's part of the deal, right? That's part of the whole, um, <clears throat> that, that's part of, uh, um, of why Jesus wanted to do this. In fact, if, if we're in John chapter 14, over in verse 15, it says, we know this verse, in verse 7, it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you, that you bear much fruit. What is the fruit that he just told us to bear? In verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. So uh, if, there, there, if there are things being done unto you, then you're producing that fruit that he's talking about. In verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So you shall be my disciples. So, uh, throughout the whole New Testament, uh, the Lord is constantly telling us the way that we give glory to God is by asking and receiving. Uh, and when people see that God is, is kind and generous, then he gets the glory for that. And that's always been the plan. It's never been the plan that we give God glory by our, our cancer and our bone disease and our, our decrepit lifestyle and that we have a good attitude when the, when the nurse comes in and changes their bedpan there's no scripture for that, right? There's no, there's no precedence for that. Uh, and yet, uh, we still, well, God, you know, gets all the glory. And, and people, you know, and, and I'm not opposed to, you know, you doing that. If you're going to have to go to the doctor, have a good attitude about it. That's fine. But that is not what the Word of God in, uh, tells us by specifically uh, and clearly that the way God gets glorified is by you increasing your life, by you increasing the answer to prayers that you get, by you receiving the blessings from heaven. Uh, and I didn't write this, you know, but, but we've got the, what Jesus said here in John 14, what Jesus said in John 15, what Jesus said uh, through the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1.20, uh, that, uh, that God gets glory when we receive from heaven. Uh, and, and he should, right? Well, how'd you get that? Man, God is so good to me. He is so kind. He's so generous. You know, I just, I was needing this and prayed and the Lord gave it to me. Well, I'm going to do that, you know. Uh, it should drive people, your lifestyle should drive people towards, towards uh, the Lord, amen? They should want to be like you. But if we're sick and diseased like the rest of the world, except that we have a better attitude, well, that's not much of an upgrade for the world, right? I mean, uh, a lot of the people in the world can have good attitudes even when they're sick. So they're, they're not really gaining a whole lot by, by watching people in a church be that way. But if, if the church can show them by supernatural faith, that they can obtain anything that relates to that pertains to their life and godliness through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus and their faith, then that should be a draw to the church. You know, they should be, well, uh, I'm looking at my lifestyle. I'm looking at the glory that, that the church has given to God by the receiving of the promises. Well, I need an upgrade. I'm going to go join the church. That should be the draw, right? Instead, it's, you know, have a good attitude when, when, when you're dying. <laughs> That it was not the plan of heaven, right? That was, you know, great, great that you have a great attitude while you're dying, but that wasn't the plan that Jesus, as the head of the church, gave to us. Uh, and he, so he said, Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Uh, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then he gets to verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and this shall send you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, Neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. 
And so Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he shall send you another comforter. Now, of course, we know he's talking about the Spirit of God there, and he's talking about this. Uh, what he's talking about is, he said, right now, I'm your comforter. You know, I'm the one who's talking to you. I'm the one who's blessing you. Uh, you don't have any really, you don't really have any interaction with the Spirit of God right now. Your, only, your interaction with God is me. Uh, and he said, so I'm going to send one. But this word another in the Greek, in the original Greek, there are two words for another. And one means another of the same kind, and one means another of a different kind. And it's helpful to know, if, in fact, if you look in, in, my, um, uh, in my Bible, I went through every single time the, that Greek word was used and wrote down which one it was supposed to be. And so this one, uh, this Greek word for another means another of the same kind. And so uh, other times he says uh, he will use the word another and it means another, a different kind. So if I tell you, uh, well, you've got a car, but I'm going to give you a different car. Well, then a different kind of car. So you think, well, I've got a car. Maybe he's going to get me a truck or maybe he's going to get me a Chevy. I've got a Ford. You know, it's not going to be the same thing. But if I tell you I'm going to get you the exact same car, then you go, man, I love my car. You know, I'd, I'd love to have the same one. You ever had something and it just break or wear out or something? I'm going to get the exact same one. I don't want a different brand. I want the exact same one. It's, it's, it's been good, you know, to me for 10, 20, 30 years. I want the exact same one, you know, and sometimes we do that. You know, some, some tools that I have, I want the exact, I don't want to get a, I don't want to get a replacement. You know, sometimes you, you can't help it. You get a different one and you, and you regret it, right? It's like, it's not the same one. It, it's, it's not as good. It's not as handy as, you know, it doesn't feel the same. It's just, it's a different one. But, but if it's been a great tool and you could find the exact same one, uh, uh, then that's, a, that's an upgrade, right? You consider that a good thing. And so Jesus said, I'm gonna, everything you see about me right now, I'm going to send you one just like me. So that should tell us that as the church, if, if Jesus was a healing, was a healer, he said, I'm going to send you one just like me. Well, then, then there should be healing in the church. If Jesus, whatever Jesus was doing, he said, I'm going to send you one just like me, except, except what he said there, uh, he said that... Uh, you, uh, but, you will, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you. So how does the Holy Spirit at this point in time dwell with them? The Spirit of God was dwelling with the, the disciples through Jesus, right? Yes. The, Jesus is with them, so that means the Spirit of God is with them. So he said right now he's dwelling, he dwells with you, but he shall be in you. Right? Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says that, that, uh, that God is in you, right? That, that the Holy Spirit is in you. Uh, and so... Uh, so Jesus is telling them that, that uh, once we get to that point where the Holy Spirit is in us, see, then we can look and, and act and operate in, in the exact same capacity that Jesus did. Individually, in a, in a, maybe in a lesser way overall than Jesus did, but as a whole in the church, uh, we should be exceeding what Jesus did, equaling and exceeding what Jesus did. Uh, and, and, and I wanted to go through these verses because if we can understand that all of us, what Jesus is talking about, uh, he's laying the groundwork of what his plan as the head of the church, how he wants the church to operate. Uh, he never intended it to be, well, I've got my ministry uh, and, and I did my things, you know, but then I died and then I handed over to, to, the, to the apostles and they had some pretty good things, but then they died. But you know, the, what they did wasn't as big as what I did, but then they died and then, then it's less. So now that they're gone, now it's even less. Uh, and, and Jesus, head of the church, said, I'm sending you exactly the same that I am. <clears throat> and, and he was talking about after the cross, right? So it was always his intention that, uh, we, that he wants us to look at his life and ministry and to say, well, that, that, if, that whatever he's doing, then we should be doing exactly the same thing. Because he said he could do nothing of himself. He, he did and said only those things which he heard uh, and saw. And, and, and so even Jesus, he wasn't going around, you know, I think I'll do that today. There, there was none of that in the ministry of Jesus. Every day is like, Father, what, what shall I do today? What would you have me do today? And the Father would say, you go over to the pool of Bethesda, you go find that one man, you go heal him. And Jesus, yes, sir, I'll do that. See, Jesus wasn't just dreaming up things to do. He only responded to what the Father instructed him to do. And so, and so Jesus is saying, I want the exact same methodology to continue for the, for the life of the, for this whole this dispensation of the, the, the church age, which is what we're in right now. I want the whole, the, the exact same plan to continue. I, I wasn't planning at being different and well, you know, 
times it sees that that's over with, right? We're, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to just be moose lodge, and we're going to be happy and have secret handshakes and do those types of things, and, and, and that's good enough. And, and, and Jesus, as the head of the church, is going, no, no, I want the exact, the exact, another comforter, the exact same one that I am, that you see that is with you right now, that's what I want you to do when I'm gone. No difference. Uh, and yet, to much of the church, that's new information. Like, what? What are you talking about? That, that's, that's always been the plan from the very beginning, right? The whole, if you go all the way back to Ezekiel, he said, I want to put a new spirit in you and then, and then put my spirit in you after that. He prophesied it for thousands of years. And if he wants to put his spirit in you, then, then that's the same spirit that Jesus had. And if it's the same spirit that Jesus had, then, and he only did what he was told, then why aren't we doing these things? Why isn't there healing going on in the church? Why don't we believe that healing should be going on in the church? Why, why is that even a thing? Why is that a hard thing to accept? If we understand how the head of the church was setting this up, because right now in, in John chapter 14, he's laying out the, the, the guidelines for here's how I want my church to operate. I want you to operate exactly like I operated. The works that I do, I want you to do, to do those. In, in fact, because there's going to be so many of you, I expect you to do quantity-wise more and because you, you've got all this time and we've got 2,000 years of history and training and revelation that we should be way further even than our forefathers were from a spiritual and, and a miracle standpoint. And yet it seems like every generation struggles to even maintain what the prior generation had. You know, I mean, even in our generation. Uh, you know, we see, uh, and I talk to the Lord about this all the time. You know, it's like, Lord, I mean, you got these people back there doing all these great miracles. You know, we hear these stories. You know, I want to do some of those miracles. Not for the glory of God, not for my glory, but for your glory. <clears throat> you know, I want to see them. Don't you want to see them? Nothing wrong. He said desire spiritual gifts. Or it was, it's not like it's wrong to desire them. He said oh, he wants you to do them. So we should desire them. In fact, he, if we don't desire them, he told us in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, at the end of it, uh, desire the, earnestly desire these spiritual gifts, right? Earnestly. Uh, not, so not just, well, it'd be okay. And he said earnestly desire them, right? So we should be, as a, as a church, right, as a whole, all of us in here, because right? if it's just me, well, I don't think it's just me, but if it was just me, I'm not, I don't have enough desire to cover the whole church. It has to be the whole church. We want to walk in. Lord, who are you going to raise from the dead today? Well, you know, we don't want to go kill anybody, go find out, right? But, we, but you know, we want, to see some, we want to see something going on, Lord. Right? We want to see some, because that, isn't that what he said? So we're not, we're not being disrespectful in desiring this. This is what the head of the church instructed us that his plan was, right? I'm going to continue this, this uh, process with the exact same comforter, uh, not a different kind, not a second grade comforter, the exact same comforter that I am today, and this is my plan. This is what I want you to do. Uh, and, and we should meditate on that and, and, and get it settled in our hearts that, yes, that's the plan of heaven. That's the plan of the head of the church. Who's the head of the church? Jesus is, right? And who's the body of Christ? We are. So uh, whatever the head wants, the body should be doing. Amen. Uh, there shouldn't be a, 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 an argument, right, uh, between uh, the head, what the head wants to do, and what the body does. You know, I'm not doing that. You know, you ever been hungry, and you, and you get up, and your body goes, no, I'm, I'm not getting up. You know, uh, or your head goes, I'm just going to go by myself. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you, your head starts floating off the couch into the kitchen, goes find a cookie, right, and it comes back, you know. Your head never does that, right? Uh, if it wants to do something, then your body goes, okay, let's go. Uh, and it goes and does that in unison. Amen. We should be in unity with the Lord. Well, this is, the, this is what the plan of the head of the church desires. Amen. Uh, and this should not be a hard thing to accept. We should read these things. These are not hard concepts to understand, especially from our side, past the cross, past the Holy Spirit, uh, from the day of Pentecost, and 2,000 years of training and teaching and instruction. We should be doing that. Uh, I do know, you know, just from a historical standpoint, there, there has, in every century, you can go back through the church history, in every century of church history, there's always been miracles. There's never been a century of church history where there weren't some kind of miracles. Uh, it, but it was oftentimes little pockets of, of revival, little areas of different things. Uh, and, uh, uh, but we've seen the struggle with, with the sustaining of, that, of the, those miracles. We fast forward all the way up to uh, the beginning of the, of the 20th century, 
and the Pentecostal church was, was just starting to get big at, at that point in time. Uh, and and uh, the Pentecostal church tried as hard as they could to kill the Spirit of God, to, to, to snuff out the power and presence of God. If you ask a lot of Pentecostals, is it God's will every single time to heal? Well, brother, we just don't know those things. Those things are left in the mind and heart of God. You know, if it's his will, you know, uh, he'll heal us. You know, we believe he can, but, you know, we just don't always know his will. Uh, and, uh, and then, uh, because uh, now they were carried, when you go to like Azusa Street, see the Pentecostal church, spectacular miracles, right? But as soon as that was over, we, we started measuring how long your skirt was, how long your hair was, uh, and nearly killed the, the life of God out of the church. Uh, many of the ministers had to go outside the church because inside the church, there was just doubt and unbelief, so much doubt and unbelief. Uh, in fact, when you, you make it all the way up to, to the healing revivals from 1947 to 1958, and spectacular miracles, right? Uh, uh, Jack Cole and, and Brother Hagen and, and Oral Roberts, A.A. Um, a. Allen, uh, spectacular miracles of God that was going to less than some all, people doing mighty uh, healing revivals. In the church, but they weren't doing it in the church buildings. They were pretty much having to go outside the church to do these things. Why? Because there was so much doubt and unbelief in the church. And, and a lot of the ministers would get together and compare notes and, and say, uh, who's your favorite people to pray for? Our favorite people to pray for are the denominational churches, not the Pentecostal churches, because the Pentecostal churches were full of doubt and belief. You know, well, you know, God just doesn't heal. Uh, the, 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 the denominational churches, the leadership didn't believe in healing, but they didn't teach the people either, anything about healing. So there's no, no, no teaching on healing for or against, and so they would go to these services and go, well, uh, he said, God to heal, I guess it's okay. That was new, they'd never heard that before. And so they said, uh, we're so glad when we get through all the Pentecostal people that we get to the denominational people who, who don't have all that baggage there. But then uh, that revival only lasted about 11 years because there was so much corruption in the church. Uh, folks like Jack Coe would get up and heal somebody and then receive a great offering and, and line their pockets with the, with, the, with the coins and the dollars of the people who were thrilled that a miracle took place. That's terrible. It's disrespectful to the Lord. And so, uh, you know, the Lord really had to kind of uh, cut that short. And that, that lasted to the end of, of the, the 50s, right? 1958 or so. And then about 10 years after that came what they called the charismatic renewal, which was really a focus on two things, uh, primarily on the teaching of the word, but also in, in the Holy Spirit, because a lot of Pentecostals, you know, they were taught to tarry, right? That you've got to wait for the Holy Spirit. You've got to go tarry in Jerusalem until you get this, the Holy Spirit. And they weren't taught that well, anybody can get the Holy Spirit anytime they want to. Uh, and, and there was so much lack of teaching in the Pentecostal church for decades, right? It was all screaming. You know, Pentecostal church loved to scream at people, right? Sweating, spitting, cotton, you know, all these things. And the problem is the church needs to be taught. We preach to the world, but we should teach the church. Uh, and so... But much of the church was being preached at. Nice thing about that, they never have to change. You know, you know they just get all excited. You know, wasn't that a great message? Yeah, what'd they say? I have no idea, but it was great, you know. And we ran around the church, and, and it was wonderful, right? Uh, and so we missed the boat. We missed the boat on, we should have been, the Pentecostal church should have been the carriers of miracles throughout the church. Hey, you want a miracle? Come to our church. That, that's what we should have been, you know, the carrier. Come here. Uh, amen. You need a miracle in your life? Come here. Oh, well, how do you know? Because God's good. That's how we know. He'll, he'll do a miracle in your life. Uh, but they didn't get it. And, and so the Lord had to raise up teachers in the body of Christ and teach and instruct us. That's why Brother Hagin's ministry was such a spectacular ministry. Uh, if his teaching is not, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, uh, go through and look at all the Hebrew tenses of any verb ever, you know, and, and go through and break down the Greek into all of its tenses and what, what type of, uh, I mean, he doesn't do any of that stuff. Never said Strong's number at all, as far as I know. Uh, and so his teaching is very basic, but it's just faith. God will always heal. The name of Jesus is always powerful. Uh, healing is for us today. God will speak to you supernaturally. He will lead you supernaturally. Fundamentals of Christianity, really, is what they were. Uh, the name of Jesus has all authority, right? The, the, the believer's authority. Uh, and so that was really picked up at the end of the 60s. Uh, and, uh, and then it really exploded in the 70s and continued on into the 80s, the charismatic renewal. 
And uh, back then, people were going to meetings with their little Radio Shack recorders, tape recorders, and putting the microphone on the ground. I mean, I had one of those. Uh, go to meetings and you record it, you know, and it was awful. It was just, you know, you barely hear them, right? And it was a terrible recording. But you're too cheap to buy the tapes, right? You know, I was going to buy my own, you know, two dollar Radio Shack tape and instead of spending like six dollars on their tapes, which is crazy and expensive. Uh, and so, but we were taught the word, uh, and there were some miracles, but it wasn't spectacular like it was in the '70s, right? In the, or in the, in the '50s. Uh, and, and I believe in my heart, what I believe the Lord is planning to do is he had to back up and, and get the church back into instruction and get founded upon the word of God, because there were some ministers uh, like um, um, <clears throat> George Jeffries and his brother were great, great uh, ministers of the gospel, had spectacular healings in the area of arthritis. And just pray for people. They said you could hear the bones snapping and popping as the arthritis worked its way out of their bodies as they would heal these people. They were all twisted and bent over and they would get perfectly straight. And one lady, after she got healed, uh, you know, just got excited. said, thank you, Jesus. And he said, don't thank Jesus. I'm the one that healed you. Which is like, are you, are you, have, do you not know anything? You have no capacity. Even Jesus had no ability to heal anybody outside the Spirit of God. And there's some man, you think you've got that ability? Uh, and the same thing, it, it, it was with uh, um, you know, William Branham and, and then um, uh, who, was his, uh, who, who was his spiritual father, um, John Alexander Dowie. Uh, John Alexander Dowie got, the, uh, got a spectacular revelation that God's a healer. They had the plague going through Australia. And the doctor came and, and said, oh, isn't, isn't uh, the wisdom of God, isn't it hard to understand sometimes why God would do this, you know? And he got so mad. How dare you say that God put this plague on him? And he got on his face before the Lord and realized God's the healer and started spectacular miracles and healings around the world. But at the end of his life, I'm Elijah. Wearing, started wearing big Elijah hats and wearing big Elijah robes. And I'm Elijah. And, uh, why? Lack of teaching. You know, no, no foundation of the word of God. Uh, and, and I believe what the Lord's been trying to do is get the church back on the foundation of the word. Because even Brother Hagin would tell him, he, he'd say, He'd get around all these healing evangelists. He said, you know, when all of you are gone out of the ministry, he said, I'll still be in the ministry. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not sure that, you know, to me it sounds like an unusual thing for Brother Hagin to say that because he was, you know, he usually didn't say things like that. But uh, he said, because you're building your ministry on your healings, on your miracles. He said, you should be building your ministry on the word of God. And so the foundation of all that we believe is the word of God, the foundation of what we know. And so if we understand that, in and of ourselves, we can't do anything. It's the Holy Spirit, same Holy Spirit that Jesus operated in. It would keep us from ever getting the big head. Oh, look at me. All these people got healed. And Jesus said, really? Tell me how you did that. Oh, well, Jesus, I mean, I don't know. You know, you're the one who did it, right? He, he, but we had to get that teaching back settled in our hearts that, yes, we can of our own self. It's not my great faith that gets the job done. Amen. It's the great power of the Holy Spirit that gets the job done. And I think, well, uh, and this is somewhat my opinion, but I believe when, when James talks about the former and the latter rain, I believe what he's talking about is uh, the spectacular miracles plus the foundation of the Word of God is the former and the latter rain. The former rain being, being the miracles and the latter rain being the rain of the teaching of the, of the Word of God. And when, if you can get those two things together where the church is founded upon the Word of God and cannot be moved off the word of God, then spectacular miracles could take place. And when they take place, well, I'll give glory to God. And anybody who says, oh, aren't you amazing? We're like, shut up, I'm not amazing. Look, the Lord did this, right? Now, we would understand that it's not our glory, not my, my ability that got this job done. It's, it's all because of the goodness and mercy of the Lord that has done these things. Uh, and that's what that we've been lacking in. Uh, and right now, the church... You know, what we see the church uh, doing a lot of it is a, a lot of the denominational churches have peeked into the charismatic churches and said, oh, they've got cool music. Well, let's have, we can have cool, cool music, too. And so they go get cool music, right? Uh, they get, you know, uh, they get, uh, I don't know what the music is. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a musician, but uh, instead of having just the, the hymns, and the hymns were fine, right? You know, um, but they, they saw... The, and, but, they, but they did learn how to yield to the Spirit of God in the area of music. 
And that's a good thing, right? They should learn those things. They should learn that we operate with the Holy Spirit. We work together with the Holy Spirit. But we work together with the Holy Spirit in music and in preaching and ministry. So, so uh, Chris went to one of these uh, one of the most spectacular churches as far as a revival of music in the world in their original headquarters. Uh, and, and I'm not going to tell you where because you start knowing what it is. Uh, and she said the music was like heaven. Just, I mean, just, uh, you know, they, they yield to the Spirit of God because Jesus said that, uh, that, that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. My Father seeks such as those, right? So anybody can yield to the Spirit of God and worship the Lord, denominational, non-denominational, uh, Pentecostal, whatever. But then when it came to the Word of God, she said, it's like, what in the world? You know, raising your hand. I got quite, what, what are you talking about, right? She said, the teaching was terrible because they hadn't learned how to yield to the Holy Spirit in the teaching area. And so, yeah, that's great that I've done that, but, but the reason why they're going to be limited in teaching because they don't believe in, in speaking in tongues, right? They don't believe in, in the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So they're always going to be constrained. Or they can only go so far. Uh, once they get over and, and accept that the Holy Spirit's part of the job and, the, and, and speaking with other tongues, they'll get the job done and, and compete with the, with the Pentecostal church. And not that it's competition, but, but then they'll be a Pentecostal church anyway, right? Uh, but, uh, but even now, you know, there's still a big church uh, there's still a big push to, to uh, in the, like an area of marketing, right? And a revival starts happening. And, and then, uh, and I was just talking about the Lord just the other day about this. Lord, I, I, I'm not that guy, right? I'm not the guy to come up with some cool, hip, come to our tribe, you know, come, come here to our tribe. I can't, I can't say stuff like that because it just, it's just marketing. I, I, I just, I just, you know, if you want that, I don't think you all want it, but it's not me, right? I, I, Lord, I want, your, I want the Spirit of God to move and to heal and to raise the dead. And I don't want to come up with some gimmicky, you know, used car salesman slogans to get people in here. Oh, you know, I'm going to go wear my, you know, my, my camo shorts and my flip-flops. And, you know, I've got a tribe. And I go, oh, Lord, I, 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 if you don't come, if you don't come here by your power, I'm not faking it. I'm not making up words to entice people in their, their, their social gatherings, or you need to, you know, you need to do all these things and, and be cool and hip. And that is not me. The power of God is plenty able to draw people in. Amen. Uh, and we, we've got to get out. You know, to me, it's just it's just like nails on a chalkboard. When when I see people, you know, uh, uh, they just they they hype up the fact that come as you are. God accepts you just the way you are, and they make that the most important thing. No, come as you are so God can build you up from, from ground zero and make you the person he wants you to be, which would be completely different than the word person you are right now. Uh, a brand new person. He said you're a new creature in Christ. He doesn't want you to stay the way you are. You're in a mess. Amen? I'm in a, I'm in a mess too. Right? I'm, not, I'm saying I'm, I'm better than you are. We all, we all need Jesus. Amen? Uh, and so, but if we can get this settled about how the, the head of the church planned this from the beginning that it was the same exact, same kind, a, a comforter, another of the same kind, I'm going to send that with you. So if it's the same kind, I expect the same results. And, you know, we're all going to get to heaven. Jesus is like, did you do what I did? Well, Lord, is that an option? Yeah, I told you it was an option. In fact, that was my, it's not a, it's not a suggestion. It's not a, hey, if you feel like it, it, that was my intention of how you're supposed to run the church. Amen. Miracles and signs and wonders <laughs> and, and I believe we can get there. I believe we should get there. I believe we will get there. Um, but uh, when we get there, we will not have gotten there by marketing gimmicks. There's not going to be any new. We're not going to have any secret handshake tribe things going on. We're not going to have secret shirts and T-shirts. And, and I mean, we're, we're going to do the word of God. And look, I don't care. I, you don't even know who I'm talking about, so it doesn't matter. But it's just, I just see those things. It's just like, you know, it's just, it just in me. It's like, Lord, I can't, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. And Lord, if I can't get it this way through your word, I don't want to get it. I don't want to fake a revival because, oh, you can go to that church and just, they'll love you and hug you just the way you are, you know. You should come want to be a different person. When I go to the Lord, I want to be a different, every time I go to the word, Lord, I want to be different when I leave the word. I, if, I, if I'm doomed to be the way that I am, I would be so sad. When I started reading the Word of God as a, as a teenager, I was so excited. Lord, I can, I can be a different person. I could be a better person. Uh, this whole, it's just, it just 
uh, it's just manipulation. It's really witchcraft, right? I mean, you know, none of my business, what people do, I'm not, they didn't ask my opinion. Uh, but if, if we don't get it by the word of God, Jesus did no gimmicks. He just raised somebody from the dead. Everybody wanted to hear what he had to say. He go feed the 5,000. Everybody wanted to hear what he said. He had no gimmicks at all. And we've got to make sure, we've got to resist that temptation. Because it, it, it's it's, it's, there's a lot of pressure on churches to, to be gimmicky, right? To have gimmicky sounding phrases and, and titles and positions and whatever, you know, and captain of the, of, of the you know, bed babies or something, you know, and, uh, and, and armor bearers and, you know, yeah, I mean, just, just silly, just foolishness, right? Let's focus on the word of God and miracles and, and, and the Lord will deliver, amen? The, the Holy Spirit will deliver. So what I, what, what I want you to get out of this today is the plan of the head of the church is another comforter of the exact same as I am. That's my plan. Exactly the same. And so he's telling us by, see, now we don't read that unless you study that and find out that, that's the, that when he said another comforter, that's exactly what he meant. And, but it's our job to study these things out. And then we, then we should go to the Lord and say, Lord, you said you wanted to be exactly the same. And then we could be like, uh, yeah, I, I think about the story with, with uh, remember with Elijah and Elisha? Yeah. After, after Elijah went up to heaven and uh, the cloak and the mantle fell upon Elisha and he went to the river Jordan, what did he do? Threw down his cloak and what did he say? So where is the God of Elijah? I, I want to say that, you know, and I do say that. Where is the God of Elijah? And he wasn't saying that in a disrespectful way. He, his faith was like, I'm ready for you to appear. I'm ready for you to do it. And if you go through the ministry of Eli, Elisha, or, uh, he had twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Remember, he asked for double the, the, double the anointing. He had twi- now, he never stood in the same office in the level he did from a national standpoint as Elijah did. Uh, but, he, but as far as the number of miracles, he has exactly twice as many uh, miracles recorded in his ministry. Uh, and, and we should all be throwing down our cloaks and say, where is the God of, of, of Kenneth E. Hagin? Where is the God of Lester Samaral? Where is the God of, of Joe, uh, of, uh, um, uh, what was it, what was it? Uh, what's Smith Wigglesworth, yeah. Uh, uh, where, where is the God of these men and women that we read about? Catherine Coleman. Where is the God of Catherine Coleman? Not in a disrespectful way, but, you know, in a way of faith. Lord, we want these things to happen. We expect them to happen. We desire for them to happen. Uh, and I think, you know, I think if we would get there, we would start seeing these things. And then, then it's a pure move of the Lord. No gimmicks, right? No, um, we, we went to a revi- one of the revivals up, up in Toronto. And we get there, and people running around uh, crowing like turkeys and chickens and roosters and, and dogs and barking. And well, are, did, we, did we hang a right to the farm instead of to the church? It was weird. It was, and, and that's what happens oftentimes. Revivals kick in, and people go, well, how do, we, how do we keep this going? How do we sustain this and make it cool and hip? And, and it gets in the hands of men, and they ruin it, right? They, they burn it to the ground. And the Lord wants these things to happen uh, 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 and, and be sustainable, but keep our, our foundation in the Word of God. And if we don't see any turkeys or chickens mooing, you know, uh, 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 during the service, then we're not going to add that, Amen. We see people raising their hands and, and singing glory to God and the word of God, then that's what we're going to do. Uh, and we're not going to play these games and, uh, and have uh, gimmicks. And I mean, I don't have any problem with advertising. You know, people got to know where you're at, that you're here. Uh, but um, I don't know. It's just uh, uh, the church, we're a mess. Amen. As a whole, we're a mess. Uh, and we need to focus on, on the word of God. If we will focus on the word of God and see, I, I want to study things like John chapter 14 and get in there and, and waller in that those verses, Lord, what's the secret here? What's this? Because it's not really a secret, but what's, what's here that we don't see? What's here that we didn't see is another of the same kind. Exactly the same. I want to be exactly the same. No difference, right? Except better, except bigger, uh, more spectacular. But as far as the, the kind, the quantity, you should be able to look at it and go, that looks just like Jesus. That looks just like the ministry of Jesus. That's what he, that's what he wants. And if we don't look just like that, then, 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 then we're allowing the hand of men to get involved. Uh, and really, we should be hands off. Should, Lord, whatever you do, right? And our job is just to kind of guide it and make sure that it's, it's, it, it continues in the path that God designed it to be. Amen? So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Father, that you said you would send another comforter, Father. And you did. You said one exactly the same as you were. 
and, and so, Father, if, if it's exactly the same as you were, Father, another the exact same kind, then you expect to have the exact same kind of operations going on in your church and ministry today. And so we thank you for that, Father. If that's your plan, Father, then we desire. We desire that to happen, Father. We desire for it to be just like uh, you had it here on this earth. However you operated, Father, is how we desire to operate. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He is good. Amen. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, like I said, I'm not mad at anybody. Uh, you know, I, I don't care. But uh, because it's not, but nobody asked me their, their opinion. But I just feel like if, if, uh, if, we, if uh, we have revival, we're not doing dumb things. You know, if and when these things happen in our, in our ministry. And oftentimes what you find is, is, is the people of faith, uh, because they want to do it the right way, oftentimes it's a little slower because it takes more time on your knees, more time in prayer, more time in getting settled in the Word of God than just, uh, well, we don't have time for all that. Let's just, let's just fake it, right? Um, and so we're not doing that. But, uh, and I'm not saying those things are fake. I'm just saying, you know, but what you find is a lot of times these revivals, they come and go. They, they don't sustain. Uh, and these things, uh, the Pentecostal Church has been around for 100 years now, uh, that's pretty sustained right there, I think, you know, but the, the, we should see more, more miracles in the Pentecostal churches. You know, and people ask us, what kind of church you are? I would say we're Pentecostal or charismatic. To me, they're mostly interchangeable. They all desire the move of God. Uh, there are some nuances and differences, but uh, it's pretty much the same idea, right? Amen. And so let's get ready and receive this afternoon's offering. Uh, I think 2024 would be a great year to have a great revival like that, wouldn't, 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 it, wouldn't it? Amen. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, the church of Jerusalem was a big church, right? 50, 60, 70, 80,000 people. And they had miracle signs and wonders going on. So come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. <clears throat> um, all the miracles that Paul was in, all the churches Paul was involved in, they had miracles going on. I mean, you go read the church of Corinth, First Corinthians. He said, you come behind a no good gift, no good supernatural miracle working gift. Uh, and so they had in the church, in manifestation, all of the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, now, they were carnal. He said, you were carnal, walk as mere unchanged men. But they still had supernatural things going on in the church, right? And that's what it, what's the problem sometimes when, when people, without having the foundation of the word, yeah, they have great miracles, but they're as carnal as the day is long. Uh, and we've got we've to find the balance of, if we can find the balance of, of have the miracles, but stay founded in the word of God, I believe there's no limit to what God could do in a church. No limit. And we'll see spectacular great moves of God and then if we come in one day and God's not moving, we'll open up the word and teach the word. We won't swing from the chandeliers and make it up. Uh, and that's what happens, right? Men fake it, right? And so we ain't faking it, amen? If it's real, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna get on the bus and we're going to go, amen? Now, the real thing, amen? All right, to be blessed. We'll see you next year, amen?